1: it's mind rolling i'm back i am with lock kelly as if you all you all should know lock because he's done a wonderful podcast on be here now network recently right Locke. yes welcome yes. sorry <laughs> welcome welcome Locke. great thank to have you have sir you.
0: thank you ragu great but, to be uh, here
1: with you. it is a reminder for everybody uh after you listen to our conversation there's more lock <laughs> available all the time on Be Here Now network <laughs> okay.
0: Twenty-four-seven. Twenty-four-seven.
1: yeah um now (coughs) i did take the opportunity to read shift into freedom oh read uh not completely i'll be honest because of my time crunch but enough to really get a good idea of things that interest me and i think everybody who's listening so okay yeah but before any of that um I mean i think this stuff is in the book but just uh everybody that i first meet now we've met before but for the podcast i always say well what are the things that just uh created that bonfire (laughs) underneath uh the tush to really go okay this is not real there is something (laughs) else that's way more real and i'm going to go get it yeah what happened to you
0: I mean, if now that I look back, it's fascinating. And many people who are listening may also kind of be able to have this hindsight. I can find little moments in my childhood where things shifted or opened, uh, where I felt, uh, interconnected with nature, with other people where I kind of saw through a veil of something. Um, and, uh, you know, then, then as I went along, bigger shifts happened. Uh, so I'll jump to one. That's kind of, uh, a dramatic one that happened when I was 19 years old and, uh, I had just had three losses in my life. Hmm. My father had, uh, had brain cancer and, Hmm. uh, gone through a year-long operation where he got better and was about to return to work and then had a aneurysm and uh, ended up uh, passing away. Um, my grandmother, who had lived with us, who was 99, uh, passed away three months later. And then my best friend from the ice hockey team uh, was visiting his girlfriend on an icy road in late one winter and uh, died in a car accident. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it was very intense being that age. My friends would say, well, just come out and have a beer, you know, but m- many of them had not been through uh, this kind of loss and uh, in intensity, at least so quickly. Uh, and at so much so, it was building up. I went to counseling. It didn't seem to help much. I came out of the library one night uh, on a kind of a late winter, early spring day. And I just felt the weight of the world, the weight of grief, the weight of uh, everything on me in such a way that it felt like I said to myself, uh, I don't know if I can take this much longer. And at that moment, it, as I look back, I turned my awareness as if I was looking for a voice that was saying it. So it kind of unhooked from my body and mind. And felt back or looked back through whatever voice was talking or whatever sense of self there was. And it literally popped it open so that my awareness continued out into the night sky and into this vast, loving, interconnected feeling of relief and feeling of interconnection and feeling of uh, support. And I just started crying and laughing and uh, was just <laughs> immediately uh, astounded at how something so, so heavy and full of uh, all emotions that I'd ever felt um, could be relieved in a moment. And it actually allowed me then to grieve more <laughs> thoroughly, but with this background support, with this kind of all-ground support of something that i didn't know was i knew wasn't a thing <laughs> i didn't know what it was or whether it was bigger than me it was, certainly it was bigger than me but it felt like it was within me and i didn't go to a a religious interpretation immediately but i knew because i didn't get any images with it i didn't get any you know mm. any specifics mm. i just got beingness you know
1: that's a bonfire of grace
0: <laughs> yeah right <laughs> Oh my yeah.
1: God, that's phenomenal! Yeah. So, and and in fact, that uh, short description of that awareness that you just gave it has a lot to do with uh, certainly the core of what this book is about, that's and right. certainly in terms of my own interest <clears throat> and everybody that listens, uh, it it is about how do we bring that into our day to day. And from yeah. what perspective are we yeah. having that awareness? That that being the you know the big elephant in the room, so to speak, yeah. right? <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, so once you give your um, description uh-huh. of, of really the most basic yeah way that we can engender and cultivating cultivate that uh, platform from which we are no longer ramdas uses moving from i mean you actually have this in the book too and you couldn't have known about that loving awareness
0: yeah uh, i call it kind, open-hearted awareness
1: yeah but you called it loving awareness also. oh i call
0: it loving awareness too because yeah. i went back and forth yeah that's
1: ramdas's big thing is uh-huh. to, okay. that's which you're that spacious awareness yeah. that has no judgment blah 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 and how to yeah. move from you know your thinking mind into that so yeah yes. so it's it's all one here but please <laughs> yeah, yeah. L- let us know what uh, yeah. how you yeah, characterize so, it. So
0: thank yeah thanks for the question yeah because that's my way of approaching it too. What's the simplest way? What's the most universal way? What's the most contemporary, accessible uh, way to describe this so people can use wherever they're coming from uh, whatever type of learner, whether a kinesthetic learner, a visual learner, auditory learner, or they have certain philosophical, cultural, or religious beliefs, uh, I kind of approach it as what I call the human being lineage. Mm-hmm. So I, <laughs> I, I look for, for all the wisdom traditions, uh, look at the principles of what they've um, they've found notice how they describe it within their cultural language, within their uh, religious or spiritual meditative tradition using their own uh, type of uh, language and model of the mind and model of uh, the universe. And then kind of tried to feel into it and studied with many, fortunately, many great teachers and would inquire and then. I could say a little. Another little story is then when I came back, uh, I went to ended up going to graduate school and then on a fellowship to India, Sri Lanka, <clears throat> Nepal, studied with some Dzogchen teachers and Vita Vedanta teachers. Uh, came back.
1: Wait, you're and, you're you're glossing over there. I have to stop you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Tulku tu, Urgian Rinpoche. Yes, that's right. You can't gloss over. Okay. <laughs> okay. Please say yeah. you know. For,
0: For those who, yeah, for those who don't know, for those who know, uh, I was very fortunate to meet Toku Ergen Rinpoche, who is, you know, was one of the great gems of our world, who opened his doors and his heart to um, many uh, of us who were, just would go and visit. And he would uh, give us pointing out instructions, which when I went. Um, I had been in Sri Lanka doing 10 day retreats, 21 day retreats, and within three to five minutes of him giving this simple instruction, I felt like the end of a 10 day retreat. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, but the thing that was added was the loving awareness. <laughs> so at the end of, uh, the mindfulness retreat, I felt the calm and the clarity and the freedom but now i had the calm clarity freedom and love and interconnection yeah but within uh, minutes and <laughs> so it was clear that it was being uncovered yeah. it wasn't it wasn't being transmitted from him to me like a energy it was it was something that had been covering had just relaxed or opened and there was this open hearted awareness uh, that you know was was profound
1: yeah you you just described why i don't do 21 day meditation <laughs> retreats these days <laughs> yeah i because i do go and uh, and be around that sp- spaciousness which fortunately yep. Maharaj neem karoli baba provided for us all these years yes. uh, Sidima, and yep. uh and yeah two minutes nothing said just uh, absolutely uh i'd be where the 21 day course would have ended in that completely loving awareness space but yeah yeah so
0: so once introduced um uh i started playing with awareness or and in some ways i would sit at a i became a psychotherapist and worked in an outpatient clinic in brooklyn and when when clients wouldn't come, they would be psychiatric clients living in halfway houses, community mental health center. I would just start looking out the window and letting awareness start playing with itself. And, and the first, the amazing thing was the, the kind of instructions I got from Tolko Ergin were very similar to that experience of turning awareness around or relaxing or resting as the awareness. Uh, that's already here so somehow not striving not trying but not going to sleep <laughs> so so finding a way that not my will and not my attention and not my effort but actually my awareness could find itself as the field of awareness that was embodied and interconnected and it's almost like i describe it sometimes as you know, the feeling of riding a bicycle, you know, you just start to feel this, this balance of awareness rather than going to thought and emotion and physical sensation, the awareness becomes primary, but then you don't remain as a transcendent witness. That's a very key thing that the awareness is then loving awareness, not just witnessing awareness and it feels very embodied and interconnected um, so that the feeling of the relief of a separate sense of self uh, is really this kind of unity or interconnected field that feels like a relief uh, yeah
1: yeah i think and you're again perfectly mirroring the what we've been doing with ramdas for years now and what his yes. uh, yes. main thing has been <laughs> Uh, but I think one good thing, and it is his suggestion, is is to center yourself uh, within the middle of your chest uh-huh, and in yes. that heart space yes. be able to uh, – that's an immediate thing because of all the associ- – okay. we have tremendous association with our hearts, even though yes. it might be misguided a lot of the time <laughs> by right. emotion and everything. But still, that's a place where it's a natural let go of that mind thing. And like you say, witnessing from the mind is not uh, it's just another layer of the same kind of a thing. So,
0: yes. Yeah. So I have the same. So I basically started reverse engineering kind of some of the classical practices. And one of them is um, very similar is called dropping from head to heart. And. literally is feeling like your awareness and people could even try this now as if your awareness is tends to be identified or attached to thinking, creating a thinker and awareness can simply relax back and then drop and know your jaw directly from within your jaw and then feel like awareness can drop and know your throat from within your throat. Hmm. And then you feel awareness drop below your neck till it finds this safe heart space. And so now you're aware of the heart space from the heart space. And then for some people it opens out or it goes really far within to the subtlest dimension. And then you're, it's as if you're aware and looking out of the eyes of your heart. And so that kind of simple, uh, invitation is, seems to be easy to learn, and yet it's kind of a, a way to, uh, to find this heart space. And the heart space um, seems is like a microcosm of the universe. <laughs> it's like the boundless heart. It's within, but the within is everywhere. Yeah. And uh, the interesting thing that when I have been teaching people is to see that it's not the emotional heart, which tends to be like in your throat or in the upper area. It's not your physical heart. It's not even what's on the right side of your chest, what Ramana called the cave of the heart, and it's not your heart chakra. It actually seems to be like a door, like a space that touches all of those hearts and then kind of opens up behind you and kind of looks out forward uh so it's like a portal um uh, the heart mind or heart space or eyes of the heart
1: yeah heart and mind fun- is good yeah heart mind yeah, yeah. heart mind is great i love that yeah. term uh well <laughs> you also just described why um people like me who are completely um ignorant and lazy and so on <laughs> and so forth actually had to see the without the the within you and see the without you in yes. in, in somebody yes. in order to get it you see this is sure. how uh yeah we just had yeah. uh bob thurman you know bob thurman
0: oh yeah i love yeah, bob thurman. yeah we love i just bob. laugh i just laugh yeah right
1: yeah no it, we spent days doing that with him uh and at one point he said he was talking about even enlightened beings you know they they get worried okay That's they're worried and he looks and krishnas was sitting on on the right of him and a bunch of us of course are in the audience and he and ramdas is sitting there and he said he's he's probably really worried about you becoming idiots <laughs>
0: <laughs> right exactly
1: oh god
0: <laughs>
1: so yeah. All right, but we need to what we do need to talk about uh is yeah. uh i think you put it as misca- mistaken identity you see everybody yes. was we are all walking around with mistaken identity That's and right. uh it's fun, uh, i i've told this on almost every podcast i've done because i think it was the funniest thing i've heard in so long i did a yeah. podcast with uh, Adya Shanti beautiful yeah, yes. beautiful man and yeah. uh and he said yeah no from an early age, I looked at my parents and and their friends that would come over and and finally, I realized these people are insane
0: period <laughs> That's right.
1: what he, they're insane they've <laughs> all gone crazy, so i'm gonna learn i'm gonna go inside and find out what's real right so, yeah. Uh, yeah yeah but uh yeah this this mistake the way in which we believe our stories and the way in which we indulge our uh the big me you call yeah. mini me yeah mini, mini me how yeah. do we get mini me going yeah, yeah.
0: That's, what do we mean, do little mini me i mean i look at it in different ways from uh just kind of a construct of consciousness that's almost like we have a one-way mirror that we can only look out but we we can't see back through it to see who's behind the mirror so it's like a it's like a uh a hall of mirrors and we only have windows going out. And so, you know, a lot of the uh, Tibetan uh, invitations are to turn your awareness around and look back to see who's looking, which is kind of the Ramana Maharshi inquiry, whether you do it uh, with words or you do it with awareness or you do it by just relaxing with somebody who's already relaxed uh, in it, uh, you kind of resonate to it. Um, so that's that maybe, the
1: easiest by the way everybody yeah
0: that's <laughs> that's right that's that's more perceptual um like there's perception types there's kind of behavior types and there's kind of uh st- structure types who do more at you know like uh, service you know is more
1: yeah behavioral
0: yeah uh, so um so this um feeling of the mini me um i mean one way i've kind of tracked it is by looking at the intersection of psychology and spirituality is seeing that at age uh, one and a half to three, a child develops what's called, interestingly in psychology, self-awareness, which is the ability to be aware that you have a name, you see yourself in a mirror, and you start to name yourself as Locke. And then, more importantly, you start to say, Oh, I shouldn't. You internalize a second self that comments on your first sense of, yeah. oh, I want to go grab the stove. There's hot cookies in there. Oh, no. You know, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't touch the stove. <laughs> Remember? And so, so who's, the, who's the you and who's the, the one that wants to touch the stove? And so this this important uh, human development called self-awareness creates a little commentator, judge, mini me, that we're looking out from, and it keeps constructing almost like it has a body. So this is kind of the thing I re- started to realize. I thought, oh, it's, first you're just aware of your body, then it thinks it's an entity in you that's actually looking at your body. Oh, look at your hands. What are your hands? You should, like, wash your hands, you know? It's like,
1: mini-me on steroids. Mini-me
0: on steroids. But it, the smarter the thing is, the smarter we get, the stronger it gets. So we try to think our way out of it, so we it makes it worse. <laughs> so that's... Yeah, it reinforces is, it all. Yeah, <laughs> Reinforces it all. So that, that mini-me thinks it has a body, and it is craving to get things to satisfy it, and it's fearful that it's going to get hurt. But the thing is, it can't get hurt because it's only made of thought, and there's nothing for it to eat because it's only made of thought. So the word dukkha in uh for suffering means the perpetual dissatisfaction Mm. so the mini me has this perpetual dissatisfaction and if you relax out of it for a moment and then realize it's not just the absence but there's actually a presence or uh, another operating system of whatever you want to call bigger self or no self-self or loving awareness. Uh, one of the inquiries I do to let the mini me relax that people could try now, because it's always trying to solve the problem of identity is just ask yourself, what's here now when there's no problem to solve?
1: That's impossible. There's always okay. a problem to solve. How can you <laughs> say that? <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's the little mini-me. But when you're sitting there with, <laughs> with uh, Ram Das, there's no problem, right?
1: There's no problem then. No, you're there's right. No
0: problem. Yeah. No. So that little mini-me, see, answered always, if you go to it, then you start to feel, oh, the, when I go there, there's a problem. Just now, not in the future, Not not as if you're getting rid of all things in your life, but just on the level of identity, what would it be like if awareness looked to itself and just considered what's here, who's aware, if there's no problem to solve just now. If you just don't look the thought and don't go to sleep, just feel this sense of being and just see what you notice. So some people may have uh, felt this relaxation of that mini me. Yeah,
1: it's like, <laughs> wow, okay. No stress here for, the, for the just a minute. Yeah. yeah. Uh, another good tip though is some people have a difficult time without some physical yeah, sensation. So, sure. so taking a few breaths into that center of your chest That's right. is a yeah. is a great way to just oh okay. Yeah. Let me take a minute, you know, take care. yeah. Yeah. Um you have a great thing, uh, from uh, that I noticed in the book, it, it's something Einstein said, and I love everything yeah, yeah, about yeah. that. The main obstacle to relief from suffering is our current identity, which we've been talking yeah. about. And it's what Einstein called our optical delusion of consciousness. That's it. That's great.
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so that's the feeling. And that literally, if we realize that sometimes people get scared of this kind of, oh, I'm supposed to be empty or I'm supposed to be no self or nobody or something. But it, negative it's not thing, that. Yeah. It, it's it's actually just a bind or a secondary contraction when you relax the optical delusion of consciousness and you have a sense that there's a greater uh, operating system that's just simply aware. It's kind of aware like a dog or a baby or a cat, and it has all the functional abilities. Some people, when they drive a car, they drive because they drop into a highly functional flow state which is not, uh, ego centered, but is able to optimally function. So it's not that you're going to be a couch potato. Uh, it's that there's an effortless flow. Um, I call, you know, I call it effortless mindfulness because you're still aware of what's happening, but you're aware from your loving awareness.
1: Yep. Yeah. Uh, there's something else but i i I think it's a great word actually and it's deconstructing yes and unfortunately doing deconstruction work is actually takes energy yeah and takes intention yeah and practice so there's a lot of that going into it um uh, but you talked about uh, and this is a good thing to talk about the uh, trans uh, we're talking about deconstructing the mini me we can end up in a gap that feels like negative emptiness yeah. yeah right that can seem like a scary transition and could be a rebound effect send us back to mini me yeah that's something let's let's explicate that yeah. Uh, lock
0: yeah i mean that's one of the beautiful uh things about the premises from some of the uh, direct path traditions like Advaita Vedanta, uh, from your tradition, Ramanas tradition, uh, Zokshan, Mahamudra, is the assumption that you're not just deconstructing into nothingness or no emotion, that you're literally letting go into the solution, which so the gap is just like uh, swinging on a, a rope into the lake, you know, You have to let go. Have (laughs) to let go. When when you land, you're going to be you're swimming in this beautiful, you know, stream in this lake. That there is another operating system. That the awakeness, that Buddha was, is already here within us. And that when you let go of the mini me, there's just a little disorientation before there's a reorientation. And so having that premise that there is, and waiting till the natural qualities of loving awareness mm. show up, um, it, you know, helps, helps people uh, to, to find what's already here because it's so subtle uh, and it's not fast moving like thought. It's, it's very embracing, but quiet initially
1: which is why uh, I think again going back to doing the kind of practices which yeah. at at the very beginning and that's why we love well we were that was a really big part of uh, our practice when we were with Neem Karoli Baba with Maharaji, was uh, vipassana meditation yeah. which I highly recommend to anybody yeah and uh, Jack Joseph and Sharon mm-hmm. and uh when you talk about being able to get into a little bit more subtle states where you mm-hmm. you you did that exercise of going from your head, head to heart, down, yeah. yeah, going through, so when you're talking about being having to really be in a little bit more of a have more sensitivity, yes, the vipassana doing first the concentration of uh, right. one pointed meditation anapana. Yeah. And then going into the insight part, which is you start by going through your body and connecting with the uh, rapidly changing molecules Mm -hmm. and feeling that all the way through. And once you start to do that, I think what you're talking about becomes way more, uh, it's just easier. You're just going to naturally fall into that when you do this exercise, getting to the loving awareness place. That's right. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, everybody, we'll put out on uh, on the page show notes a way to get yourself over to Jack, Sharon, and Joseph and yeah. uh, get a course in and, and do some Vipassana because that's a, a, yeah. a even, I, I believe I've heard that His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, had all mm-hmm. of the novice monks do Vipassana courses. Yes, yeah. I had heard that. <clears throat> they do, so. yeah. And um, I, I love this line from you. Awakening doesn't make you become a nobody a bliss ninny or a vacant <laughs> robot, okay? No bliss ninnies allowed here, okay? Mother. <laughs> uh, and there's one um, one thing that rang my bell was around uh, one practice that you recommend that you do, and we should uh, investigate here, I think, uh, which is the Mind the Gap, which reminded yeah. me of yes. Trungpa Rinpoche, who... Yeah did a very similar thing so yeah let's yeah. talk about it because this this is now we got to get into okay what are the antidotes to mini me that's right there is something to do even though yeah. i also know there's absolutely nothing to do i've seen that <laughs> with my own eyes yeah. uh but uh there is something to do those uh, those things go together
0: yeah so um yeah so one of the practices uh I call mind the gap. And actually, if you want to put this on the, the notes for people to look at, I have a four minute, uh, animated video oh, cool. that I call, um, that is exactly this practice, uh, that's illustrated by an animator. Uh, it's called, um, I think how to find peace of mind in four, four minutes.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, uh, basically it's it's a classical practice from uh Gampopa and a couple oh, really? of other other um where you look for the you start with being aware of thoughts, which is kind of like a mindfulness of thoughts, feelings, sensations. Mm. And that's your first object. And then you become interested in, all right, so now I'm aware of thoughts are coming and going. So what's not coming and going? What is between the thoughts? Let's look into the space, let's look into the gap and be just as interested in that. Um, and so the practice that I do that's in my book, but also I think I'd love if people would take a look at this, YouTube. it's on YouTube, um, hmm. uh, Finding Peace under my name, Loch Kelly, you'll see it. And that's beautifully illustrated. I start with the uh, secular mantra, blah, Oh yeah, okay. Why? <laughs> Come on,
1: Ram. Why go to blah? There is a thing with these uh, Sanskrit words that has its own efficacy beyond our minds' Locke, Okay. Yeah.
0: No, but but see, um, what I'm doing is getting if, the religious if you, if go, if you go there through the if you go there through the sound, you go with Ram. Mm-hmm. But if you go there through the gap, what you're doing is you're de-emphasizing thought as the method. Mm-hmm. So you're saying, okay, you can go through sound or sacred syllable or mantra, but let's go through the door of space or the gap between chattering mind. Or rather than focusing on thoughts, feelings, sensations, uh, you just say blah, and then you're aware of the space. Uh So the goal is not blah. (laughs) That's just just (laughs) occupying uh, your working mind. It just occupies your mind for for right. uh, gives it something to chew on. You're the the puppy mind. Sometimes I call it, rather than the monkey yeah, mind. <laughs> right,
1: right,
0: right. <laughs> and uh, then you'll so you'll find you'll find that the focus of awareness on spacious awareness uh, will become what I call awareness of awareness. So vipassana starts with one point of focus and then. Four Foundations of Mindfulness, which is uh, focusing on thoughts, feelings, sensations, and mind objects coming and going. And then effortless mindfulness, which is where uh, the Tibetan tradition goes next, is to become aware of space or awareness itself and look through back through the meditator to open up the field of intelligence that is what thoughts are made of. And that's the kind of radical thing that actually makes for this feeling of interconnectedness is that what i call the effortless mindfulness move awareness of awareness yeah Good. what
1: is this uh, you have also have a term uh local awareness what, yes yeah talk about that i'm not so sure local, i get
0: it yeah so local awareness um is different than attention so attention is defined Um, by Webster's Dictionary as applying your small mind to something. And so it can only, it's, it's from your small mind to objects. And when you realize that only awareness can know awareness, the two direct path methods are what I call the resting method, which is what you describe when you just sit and tune in to somebody, just rest and use your perception and you'll, they say, you know, muddy water, let stand, becomes clear. So you you do that. Mm -hmm. The other is to turn awareness around. uh, And when you're aware from loving awareness, when you focus on something, you're actually connected to that person or thing from an interconnected field. So the focus is Uh, local awareness is focused on something, not attention from your small mind. So it doesn't take... Small versus... What's that?
1: Small mind
0: versus... Small mind versus loving awareness.
1: Yeah. Okay, small mind. Okay, mini me in general. Mini me,
0: yeah. So uh, conceptual mind... um, Right. That that creates a I think, therefore I am feeling. Yeah. And this uh, open presence or open hearted awareness is this other no self uh, self or the big self in Hinduism. Yeah. So from self, you're focusing uh, in an interconnected way. So what I did is I kind of reverse engineered, feeling like I was interconnected, and then I felt contracted back into mini-me, and I felt like, oh, okay, now I'm back here, so how do I intentionally drop back into the heart? And so the exercise we did to begin with, which people could do again, is, If local awareness, which is made of loving awareness, is identified with thinking and creates is identified with a mini-me, which is binding it, if local awareness just steps back and feels down to your chin and then feels down locally to an area of your throat and then local awareness is what uh, notices your heart space, and kind of surrenders into it. Uh, you've found the local awareness because local awareness is, is made of the loving awareness so it can find it easily. <laughs> and once, once you're in the loving awareness, now there's an interconnected, you can locally be aware of your knee from within your knee, you can be aware of, I can be aware of seeing you on the screen but I feel that you're not a separate object only, that I feel like there's a interconnected field where kind of like an ocean and the waves are local awareness. So there's an ocean of awareness, and you're a local awareness, and I'm a local awareness, but we're the same loving awareness. Hmm.
1: And by the way, everybody, just to show you that a man like this, like Locke, <laughs> Can give us these kind of extraordinarily uh, original yeah. sketches for ways in which you can absolutely move beyond mini me, which yeah. is it's a big subject block actually for me. Uh, yes. my yeah, my friend uh, Duncan Trussell and I actually with Jack Cornfield and Trudy Goodman are doing a uh, seminar in November. Uh, oh, good. That's called. Um, i forget summit summit it's a big thing we've never been there i've summit. never heard of it but it's okay. al gore speaking at it etc cetera. Et oh, cetera. Beautiful. yeah from and it's basically mini me uh moves to uh big us that's kind okay. of what we're oh, talking like about something <laughs> like that so this subject is is of course something i've really been talking to people about so i'm, I'm really glad oh. but to prove i was going to say to prove no this to prove karma and reincarnation okay basically (laughs) uh, you tell the story of when you were a kid playing hockey and you were the goalie and it's a wonderful story that really says okay this (laughs) is why there's karma and reincarnation because obviously you this is something that's in in your cells that needed to come out the way it's coming out so it's wonderful but tell that story it's great
0: Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's it's it is so funny because it is like <clears throat> I'll tell another story, which is that, you know, going back to my 10 year reunion at college, you know, my uh, <clears throat> one of my hallmates, you know, I told him, oh, yes, I'm a am a what are you doing, Locke? Uh, I'm a meditation teacher. He literally started laughing so hard he fell <laughs> down. <laughs> he goes, you're what? You know, like that wasn't my, you know, kind of natural uh personality but something started showing up that was like what's this who's doing this what what's showing me this what's happening with this you know it was it was it was almost like aware you know what i call it is you know the divine is showing itself to itself or the awareness is showing itself to itself and i'm just on board taking like uh Taking directions. I'm like, yeah. okay, where you got me yeah. going next? You know? Yeah,
1: doing the best so we can. I know.
0: <laughs> that's the that's the way I feel it. I don't yeah. feel like it's um like I'm one particular incarnation of someone, but I feel like there's some wisdom that's tapped into me. I haven't tapped into it. It's like it's it's got me, you know. And so um when I was a kid, um I was uh I was listening to a sports broadcaster who said that the quarterback has eyes in the back of his head. And I thought, you know, I was like 13. I was like, eyes in the back of his head. How does he do that? And I literally (laughs) took it. So I started literally practicing this, what I call panoramic awareness, which is opening my peripheral vision until my awareness comes around to hearing on the side. And then I'd open it up. So I have 360 degree awareness and basically it opened up into the field of loving awareness. And then I felt embodied like a cat. And so I started doing this as a way to prepare to play goalie. And I would literally feel like a cat. How old
1: were you? Can I ask?
0: So then I was, I was like 14. Jesus. Okay. Yeah. So 14 I'm there and I'm looking through these legs and sticks And all of a sudden my hand would just shoot out and the puck would be in it because i just trust and I'd see something start, but then I'd just be in the zone and like hand would shoot out. And then uh, after one of the games, my uh, uh, best friend said, hey, man, that was great. You know, like, how'd you do that? And I said, you really want to know? And I kind of started saying, well, you see, I do this thing where I open my awareness around and he's like sitting there going like too much information, you know, like, looking at me. Mm -hmm. But, but then one of the seniors on the team came the next week and gave me Zen and the art of archery and said, here, kid, read this. This is what you were talking about last week. And so I picked it up and started going, oh my God, there's other people who do this. This is real. This is important. Nobody ever told me about this. And so it led me to start to look toward meditation and it's so great i'm
1: just thinking what was i doing then i was basically i think i was stealing my father's car a lot okay this is what i was doing (laughs) you did that too (laughs) Uh, god did he have a corvette (laughs) had to do both at that time i see yeah that's great yeah Uh, um the default mode network you talk about um, yeah waking waking from the daydream again it's yeah. more of uh, the reality of moving into the perspective that uh yes allows the kind of spaciousness uh, that uh, doesn't uh, continue to create habitual patterns karma yes. whatever you want to yeah. call it yeah talk about that the default yes. mode network
0: yeah i mean i'll just say in general that certainly Uh, In the last 20 years and more and more recently, there's so much research uh, on the benefits of meditation that everyone knows about, from physical stress relief to now more uh, studies that are showing um, how we can stabilize awareness. And that's where the default mode network are these two networks in our brain that naturally alternate toward External focus and then internal focus. So if you're just sitting, like if I sit on a subway and look at people in the subway car, they'll look out and then the brain will literally take them in. And then the brain network will go on, and they'll look out. So they're not looking out and looking in. It's literally an alternating system, which is why we get distracted. So if we're trying to do a task, external network, our brain will just take us in. And then if we're looking within, will look without and say, what's going on in the room? You know. Um, so the this kind of non-dual awareness, which is what, you know, I'm talking about effortless mindfulness, what Adi Ashanti and I uh practice um, it balances the default mode network because awareness is primary. And so you're e- and the feeling is you're equally aware inside and outside. So it's like there's a continuous field of seamless embodied awareness that doesn't have to look out and look in, that's an intelligence uh, that is equally aware as if there's no inside, no outside. And on a relative level, there is. But on the level of mind, and then the brain gets on board. And when it does, it's almost like a click. You feel like, ah what a relief. I'm not going off into daydream. I'm just, and you feel completely balanced and, uh, interconnected.
1: Wouldn't one call that enlightened?
0: Yeah. Something like that. That's what the brain looks like on enlightenment. Yeah.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, uh, certainly just backing up a, a little bit just to, uh, yeah. just to get, I think for most people, to just get to the place where there is some residency in the spiritual heart or loving yeah. awareness but yeah. whatever we have there's so many yeah. names they are all there's only one thing yeah. and to to be able to inhabit as i say that perspective for at least some of the time and to develop yeah. and cultivate that yeah uh, just think about that not much yeah. else uh, yeah. because uh, uh, it, it needs to be experiential and exactly. And the problem sometimes with uh, Advaita is yeah. people can get a little ahead. Now, I said that. Who did I say that to? <laughs> Muji. Okay. You know Muji. Yeah. Muji's yes. wonderful, yeah. totally yeah. loving being. I mm-hmm. said, you know, non-dual, people can get really lost in their in their minds with yeah. this stuff. Yeah. Just from what I've yeah. seen, you know. Uh, and he said, yeah, you're absolutely right. But same with Bhakti. <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> so it's the same with everything but with everything. but uh yeah i i do have uh, my own you know their projections and judgments they're involved with the uh, mini me more than, yeah. some of it is experiential just because of being with uh, being like neem karoli bomb so that was sure. our rudder so uh, you know there is at least this, that's like as um zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance you remember that book sure yeah. Yeah. and uh, that whole thing he talks about knowing quality mm-hmm. and the tendency there and what that means yeah that's a great book everybody zen yeah. and the art of motorcycle
0: maintenance fun summer read <laughs> yeah
1: exactly um by the way i forgot and absolutely have to say this okay everyone needs to read Tulku Urgin Rinpoche's book, which is like a memoir uh, beyond yeah. which you've never read anything. Like, what's the name of it, Locke?
0: Uh, well, the main one is Rainbow Painting.
1: Rainbow Painting? Yes. <clears throat> what's
0: another one? Gee, that one doesn't... Uh, there's As It Is, um, and then... Uh... This is
1: totally just his memoir in which he goes through... Oh, all... yes.
0: I don't remember the name of that one. Oh, but I. okay. It's, it's, We're... I refer to it as his memoir. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's got quite an incredible network, but our research people at be okay. here now network are going to find <laughs> this and put it okay. in the show notes. Um, in just in the time that we have left, um, I mean, there's a whole thing here's where I did not actually read this, but I'm interested in your um, yeah. projection about this, which is the next stage of human development. Yes. What are we talking about?
0: Yeah. So, yeah, my feeling having uh, seen this tremendous progress in uh, my students and my own experience, my colleagues, and the articulation of contemporary practices in everyday life, uh, it feels like it's both necessary and possible that awakening is the next natural stage of human development, that there's an ability for us to upgrade our operating system to more loving awareness. And when that happens, um, there's a feeling of mutuality, there's a feeling of we working together, the motivations for social justice and uh, activism and uh, kind of working with other people in community. Just become the natural love of what you want to do Uh, and you feel so much energy to do it but you also feel uh, right-sized you don't feel like you have to save the world and you don't you feel like oh well I'll do my part I'm good at this my friend's good at that these other people in this organization are good at that let's all do our own little parts and it really becomes like a relief to feel like you're part of a a group of people and a society, and um, so that this is not just motivated by uh, hatred or you know uh, resistance to something, but there's motivation through love. That there's a feeling of really s- starting both with you know like bhakti and uh, starting with seva action first and then doing meditation or starting with realization, which will lead to action. So they seem to be coming together. And so for a group of us, the work you're doing with podcasts, getting the work out, uh, making it, normalizing it, making these kind of uh, wisdom of people who live, you know, everyday lives in rather than monastics only uh, just seems like um, it's possible. And then we almost, you know, it feels like if we say that, um, it's encouraging, you know, not to be idealizing it, you know, to be honest about our flaws and where we're caught and how we're bumbling along, uh, but but also um, to really uh, take the time to get to know this loving awareness that we are.
1: Yeah, and I think the comment about uh, Seva, service yeah. activism yeah. social justice all of that which is very 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 high on our list of uh subjects that we do many of us most of us talk about these days and the polarization yeah. that's involved and so on it's not as if you're going to just fall into that loving awareness right hundred, again you no. you would have to be a, a realized <laughs> being of some sort
0: mm-hmm. to
1: to inhabit that but uh most of us need to realize that it's the cultivation as you are doing whatever you're doing and awareness and mindfulness yeah it's the intent to to work on oneself yeah. that is yeah. is what counts and yeah. uh, you know uh, and I think you're right though in terms of what's coming for all of us uh mm-hmm. and as a planet is to have this consciousness much more prevalent so that we have a you know a better shot at uh, doing something great for no. our uh, people to come. That's a great thing. I, I did this to my friend actually last week. We did a podcast. Um, there's a thing in the paper, uh, or no, a meme on social media. Let's do the right thing now to make sure that Keith Richards can be happy in the future on our pla- planet. <laughs> <laughs> that's good (laughs) let's make this right for Keith right yeah in order to do that yeah we have to we have to there is work involved and and that's certainly part of this uh so yeah yeah, thank you Locke so welcome great to talk to you yeah Yeah. and great to have you as part of Be Here Now Network too I know you're going to be doing more uh guest podcasts and so on So that's a great thing and we really appreciate it and yeah uh, i uh, hope to do this again with you
0: yes absolutely uh, i have a another book coming out oh, you uh, do? Ne- next year uh next june called uh, the way of effortless mindfulness oh
1: huh. okay great so it'll go into more detail and and we will put up a, a link to the four minute video how to find peace of mind in four minutes, which uh, I'm, yes, yes, we're, we'll put it on. The, we have a Heart Mind app, by the way. Oh, good. In which okay. we put up meditations and so on. So we will okay. put this up there, if you don't mind. Yeah. And people will be able to do it. Yeah. So that's yeah. A great and I point. have
0: um, I have a uh, a CD set where the practices, some of the practices we talked about, uh, are literally three minutes to nine minutes long, and I have thirty one of them really? that help you drop into your heart that help you open this panoramic awareness wow uh, okay. yeah great great and
1: all of that will be available on the show notes page links yeah. to all of it you'll you'll let us know Locke, and we'll make sure you're yeah. up there and okay. uh, yeah the books and everything because it's just more about uh, helping our lives yeah. get way more in balance that's our that's the sure. theme of mind rolling is a life in balance simple yes yeah
0: nice i
1: love it thank you again thanks so much (laughs) thank
0: you wonderful lots of love to you
1: yeah namaste
0: okay namaste